are in the Grotto Pod. I am in the Grotto Pod. Bridget is in the Grotto Pod, and it may sound to you like there's also someone jackhammering in the Grotto Pod. Do you think Pod. we can hear that? You there's know, a jackhammer going off right this minute. As we discussed prior to entering the Grotto Pod, I am in the middle of a perhaps long migraine episode, so I can't tell if the jackhammer is outside my head or inside my head. I'll raise my finger when it's outside. Okay, that okay. way I'll be able to say, oh, that sounds a little okay. different. Yeah. Than the one inside my head. Our guest today, we got a little treat for you, Grotto Pod fans out there. Oh, yeah. Before I tell you who our guest is, I'll tell you my thinking behind getting this guest. I was just sharing with my co host, BQ, here. Perhaps the term writers on writing isn't entirely altogether accurate for what we do here at the uh, Grotto Pod. Mm-hmm. It's more of an exploration of the writing life. Yeah, I agree. Which includes people who aren't necessarily primarily writers, but who may start out life with that same sort of push. People like Oscar. Exactly. um, Oscar is also a writer. Right. People who are also writers, people like um, Jennifer. Mark Soloway. Yes. They're one of their writers. They are writers. They want to be writers, but they also find other ways uh, to kind of fill in the blanks and to contribute. I guess that's the word I'm really looking for. Also to enjoy the writing life. Writers on writing, in a way, is about the totality of the writing life, which includes reading. Reading. Our guest today. Nice segue. Thank you. Guinevere de la Mar, which I'm probably mispronouncing. We'll get the... Why do we never know how to pronounce people's names? We're terrible. As I've said before, we'll never be that Jesuit who stands next to the stage and announces your name when you graduate. Absolutely never. Or Mike Riley. Mike Riley, the The Iron Man. No, uh, the Iron Man announcer. I read something terrible about the coach. Uh, You know who the coach is? Oh, Mike Riley? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oregon State coach. Oh, yeah. Terrible. Great story. Terrible appearance by Mike Riley in it. Different Mike Um, Riley, everyone. Mike Riley, Iron Man. Mike Riley, the voice of Iron Man, pronounces everyone's name correctly. It's a goal. It's a goal, but it's apparently one neither of us is going to reach. Guinevere uh, is the founder. Okay, first of all, Guinevere. Awesome. Name. Awesome. You've had such amazing names in here lately. We're going to get, I want to get to the, the I, I think judging from the intro to her book that Guinevere comes from a creative family and yeah. that may be where the Guinevere thing comes from. Yeah. Uh, she is the founder of Silent Reading Club, the Silent Book Club. Sorry. I'm not even, Rosa, look at your notes Kinda before. Bad. It's small. It's hard to see. You start. I, I just got from the gym. I'm still sweating. You know, it's. There's a jackhammer. There's a jackhammer in and out of my head. Silent Book Club is probably something I could use right now. Um, she, uh, she, <laughs> I just got distracted by a text from my son. This is what, okay. Just to, just to digress here for a moment. I'm sorry, Guinevere. BQ's son just went away to college. My son has been in college for three years and here's the text. So I've got good news and I have possible and the possibility of better news. Call me. I'll check that later. Ooh, I'm excited. He lo- he's always he loves the good news, bad news. What do you want to hear first, the good news or the bad news? Like, just tell me what happened. Dude, I had good news yesterday, but let's talk about Guinevere. Let's talk about Guinevere. Founder of the Silent Book Club, which is exactly what it sounds like. People get together and they read. Heaven, in other words? Sounds pretty good. I would like it, yeah. And, and one of its... Uh, you know, and I'm not going to give away too much because I want her to explain the genesis of how it came together and why it's different than other book clubs. Uh, regardless of that, it has expanded to where it is now active in 40 cities, including cities, including Mumbai. Well, India, big, big reading culture. Including Anacortes, Washington, where I inadvertently stumbled into a Harley Davidson convention last month. Was that fun? No. Yeah. I bet the silent book club would have been fun though. 
Uh, More fun she, than hearing a bunch of Harleys. That's yeah, cool. she describes it as an introvert happy hour, which is pretty awesome. So excellent. Yeah, that is really great. They have a newsletter, a blog. They sell. You can when you get tired of your Grotto Pod T-shirt or your Grotto Pod bag, you can Never. go to Guinevere's website, which I'll let her give you, and buy yourself a Silent Book Club T-shirt or Silent Book Club. Uh, maybe you want to mix Bumper it sticker? up a little bit. Maybe you don't have a full complement of Grotto Pod T-shirts. Can't wear them every day. Yeah. So on your off days, you got to wear the uh, Silent Book Club T-shirt. And to show all of your book nerdiness all the time. Exactly. I like that. Remember when I said to you, uh, "Oh, Silent Reading Club, Silent Book Club, Silent Book Club, Silent, Silent Book Club, Club." I can't say it, so why even try? Toy boat. Um, <laughs> I thought, oh, that must be because we're so desperate to block out distraction that we need to actually go somewhere and read together. Silent yeah, Club. yeah. You said no. It's different than that. It's different than that. It's 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 an introvert's happy hour. Mm, so nice. So that we'll get into that. She has a book that uh, came out called I'd Rather Be Reading, which I'm going to say is sort of a companion to Silent Reading Club. It's really a, a book intended to inspire you to read and explain why. It has beautiful art in it. It does have beautiful art in I'm it. looking at it now. Uh, it's got essays. Uh, yeah, essays. Wrote an essay. Some, some, big people. Yeah, by some, tell us who's in it, because since you're holding the book right there in front right, of you. Hold on a second. Uh-oh. Uh, well, I know that Ann Patchett is one of the people. Gretchen Rubin is one of the people, because I already read them, but now I can't find... Oh, wait. And Maura Kelly. Maura Kelly. Yeah. So, Guinevere's life is really a celebration of reading. And she Yeah. Has... What could be better than that? Yeah. Well, let's find out... Uh, oh my gosh, to... I love some, oh, I some I, of these are on t-shirts. They're so good. And oh, actually, we'll talk a little about her, her nine to fiver. She's the head of community for Storybird. Oh. And I took a little look at Storybird, but not enough to do it any justice. So I'll let her describe it. So we are right about the time where she should be showing up, texting she me. She won't be walking in on us. Oh, uh, right. Caitlin Salamini. That's right. The... <laughs> very sleuthy because Caitlin has keys to the grotto but well and does not we, Caitlin's in to... Singapore so she can't walk I in know, on us right now right either now. yeah uh and well, maybe that book festival looked fun it did and maybe Guinevere will send me a text saying I have good news and possibly better news but let's I find out wait to hear what it is I, he, hasn't, he hasn't followed up yet all right let's shut us down oh why we have so much that's interesting to say hey did the jackhammer stop it did oh good that's why you haven't seen my finger go let's up. take a little break now I told you, I take one care of the you. jackhammers has stopped so yeah. we're gonna go get uh, Guinevere and then we'll be back to talk about reading silent and otherwise we're back Guinevere pronounce your last name please Delamere. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just let the record show I pronounced it that way to Larry before we started. Does this mean you're amphibian? So, um, gosh, nobody's asked me that Great before. opening. It's, it's sort of self-evident. <laughs> well, you know, so Delamere is actually my married name. Mm. Oh, that's and amazing because it goes so well with Guinevere. Well, exactly. My, my maiden name is Harrison. Which you know is very old, big English, and the Guinevere um, it's a literary name. Yes, yes. I, I would imagine. It came, my father was reading *The Once and Future King* by T. H. White. Uh, I and, know it well. Yep. And so, um, and actually, in that book, Arthur's nickname for Guinevere was Jenny. And so, as a child, I grew up as Jenny, and did oh. not really grow into Guinevere until. Um, well, I tried to sort of switch over and use it when I went to college. Yeah. But I went to college with my best friend from 
You couldn't run from that. Oh yeah, she's no. not having that. No. And so, and and also, you know, we were friends with with other people who knew me from way back, so it didn't stick. So then it was really my first job out of college mm-hmm. where I said, I'm going to use Guinevere professionally. Wow. And, I, uh, you know I have tried to ditch my first name my whole life, and then I just gave up. I'm 52 years old. It's not going to happen. But if you had Guinevere at stake, wouldn't you just say, I'm sticking with it. They're going to make it. Well, I don't know. Did you want to be Lawrence? No, no. I was going to go by the middle name. Oh, what is it? It. Ironically, mm-hmm. Eric. Oh, look at that. But I didn't do it, and we're not here to talk about my name. <laughs> I, I, I feel like everything is up for grabs in the Grotto Pod. But it is a challenge. I mean, names names are tricky, and it's funny because you know. So I did. I had a good ten year run of being Guinevere, and everybody knew me as Guinevere except for yeah. you know when I would go home to family. But then I had a child. Right. And the child grew up hearing, you know, what my husband called me and what my family called me. And so, you know, so he thought of me as Jenny. So then when he started school and I had to go introduce myself to teachers and parents, I I had to be Jenny again or else he wouldn't know, you know, who the heck we were talking about. We've sort of, we've touched on this. Well, we've touched on this before in the grotto pod and I like that. I don't like it right now personally, but I like the concept of it, the concept of being professionally Guinevere oh, and personally yeah. Jenny, because that means oh, for the Jenny people, <laughs> yeah, you're in her circle. Oh, got it. Yeah. But if your name right. was Guinevere de la Mer. I would always so... want gauzy fabrics surrounding me. How could you not? I mean, and I mean, and I am a hardcore feminist, you know, I mean, this was a struggle as to whether <laughs> with a princess name, gonna, like, take no, no, yeah. name that was though. the name. Yeah. Well, you know, I yeah. mean, like, and, and I, I'm not the kind of person, you know, politically who's really for like giving up your name and your identity mm, and, you know, yeah. your, your internet search, like, you know, SEO. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but how could you not? Honestly, I mean, I mean, I was really thinking that uh, we that she kind of trumped Grant Faulkner, whose real name is William Faulkner. She, which did you know? Because you know? I, I, you know, that's I the did not know that that is the connection I met Guinevere through but, Grant. But I know oh, Grant. Yeah, oh my gosh! Yeah. I just happened to say that because you both sat in that chair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're a very lot good. about a name. I, that <laughs> names are so interesting. They I, are. I think that. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of mystical power in a name. That's just what I think. Let's talk about reading. Why not? <clears throat> so actually, you know, I, I have a first sort of an overarching question for you. Are you a reader or a writer first? I am a reader first. I, um, I think I am, a, I, I, I am reluctant, or I was for years and years very reluctant to call myself a writer. And our friend, Grant Faulkner. Who was a writer. <laughs> he, you know, and, you know, he, he would really come down firmly on the side of call yourself a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, but even, even after publishing this book, I still kind of hesitated because I was like, well, it's not a novel, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm an essayist or I, you know, in, in you know, previous jobs, I've been a copywriter. Like there has always been a qualifying statement mm-hmm. for me before sort of, you know, being able to call myself a writer. But I have always, you know, since I learned to read, identified as a reader. A reader. And to sort of complicate matters, your book that you wrote, part of, is about reading. It is. Yes. So you've sort of planted your flag in the world of reading. I have. I have. Can you give, for the for the listeners at home, can you give a little overview of what this book is? Sure. So what, what um, has inside? the book is called I'd Rather Be Reading. 
and it is a compilation, a miscellany, if you will, of art, um, illustrations, photography, fine art, essays, poetry, and quotes all about the love of reading. So, you know, it really was conceived as a love letter to books um, and also to, to readers. So many, so many great images in here. I absolutely love them. And in fact, Bridget Watson Payne, who is my editor, they share Google, an editor, and who has been on the Grotto Pod. That was going to be my big reveal, by the oh, way. You know, you two have something in common. But I have to say, Bridget has, who I think for a long time never considered herself an artist, but did consider herself a writer, has a, a beautiful, beautiful artwork in here of books, and it's super. Yeah. So fun fact about Bridget's piece. So this is actually the first um, painting of hers that has been published. Oh my gosh. Oh really? I'm trying to find it right now. Um, Instagram notwithstanding. Instagram notwithstanding. We don't consider that publishing, do we? I don't think so. I don't think so. No, no. But now she's, you know, I mean, she's, she's, she's she's working on a whole book of paintings. So yeah, she's fantastic. This was, this was Bridget's breakout book. Ugh. So good. And look at you. You made Mm -hmm. it happen. And I, you know. Well, she made it happen. Well, that's true. She was my editor. That's true. That's true. And, and in the intro, we were talking, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but we were talking about this as sort of a companion piece, the Silent Book Club. It's sort of a promoter of the Silent Book Club. Is there some truth to that? Is that you or me? Or It's me. Okay. Because you know the last one I got. Oh, yeah. During the intro, my son texted us, he's a junior in college, with, I've got some good news and potentially better news. Ooh. And then no follow-up. Oh, my yeah. God. This is from right. one of my eight siblings. So this could be going on <laughs> through the whole interview. <laughs> um, so which came first, The Silent Book Club? The Silent Book Club book? came first, right? It did, yeah. Although this book was was sort of um, in my head for about six years before it became a thing. Well, why don't we do Silent Book Club then? Let's talk yeah. about how that started and where that idea came from. And what it's grown to. So Silent Book Club started initially back in 2012. And at the time, I had a two-year-old at home who had not slept through the night in, well, two years. Um, (laughs) As they do. And I was losing my mind. Um, And so, you know, and one of the things that, among other you know, among everything else that you sort of lose when when you become a parent, including your sort of previous identity, um, you know, one of the things that I really missed was that I mean, I hadn't, I had, I, I had always really identified as as a reader and as a book person, and um, you know, and and my son was born in in 2010, which was right about the time that um, you know social media and the iPhone all kind of happened at the same time. And so, you know, and, and so in the middle of the night, I'm sleep deprived and really, you know, and, and at the end of the day, all I'm doing is falling into bed and scrolling through Facebook. Mm-hmm. And so I hadn't, you know, I, I really lost myself as a reader. I hadn't finished a novel of any, you know, significant length um, in a couple of years. And, and I really missed that part of me. Um, and, you know, and, and so... I was out having a drink with with a girlfriend of mine. Her name's Laura. And at the time, we lived on the same street. And there was a little sort of French bistro in between our, our two houses. Oh, I see the movie. And we're drinking wine one night. And, you know, and I am like bitching about the fact that I have this book that I'm supposed to finish for my book club. Oh, right. But I don't like the book. 
I don't have the time to finish it. I feel like if I don't finish it, I won't have anything smart to say at the book club. And, you know, and, and so I said, you know, why can't we have a book club where you just, you, you show up, you bring whatever it is you're reading. You don't have to talk about it and do it at a bar so that nobody has to like clean up beforehand, clean up after, or, you know, if you're hosting, God forbid. Oh yeah. Snacks. Snacks. Yeah. And, and my friend Laura was like, I love it. Count me in. Do that. And, so uh, good. and that was the beginning of, of, of the silent book club. Do you belong to any traditional book clubs now? I do not currently belong to any book clubs. Once we started silent book club, I, I kind of, you know, you're like, this is the, future. Uh, this is my book club. Tell you what, I'm not a book club guy for those reasons. They have I'll a book club that. here. Yeah. And it's pretty casual. Oh my God. You don't have to read the book. <laughs> come for the wine. But it is a book. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is that, you know, we oh, heard that so yeah. much of, you know, of, of the reason why people would go to book club is not because of the book, but because they wanted to socialize, hang out with their friends, drink wine and, you know, and, and have something that brought them all together. But we just figured we could do that with a general love of reading rather than, you know, like rather than having homework. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I totally get that. And when my kids were little, that was one of the things I found the most shocking. I had never remembered a time in my life when reading hadn't been one of the central pillars of my daily existence. Yeah. Well, and the and other really thing changes. too is that, you know, when you're a young parent, it's not like I could tell my husband, you know, like it's your turn tonight. So I'm just going to sit here on the couch and read a right. book exactly. while you do dinner, bath, bedtime you know well, isn't that, that I mean isn't that the hard part of uh, not to be too high and mighty but to sort of live a life of the mind like that from the outside it doesn't look like you're doing anything exactly right oh my god but you know this reminds me of one of my favorite things to talk about in the current climate of um, obsession with kids reading is if a kid reads a comic book everyone's like oh my god they're reading it's so awesome high five Everyone, you know, every bit of propaganda is put toward reading. When I was a kid, I don't remember anyone thinking it was great to read. They were always like, you get out of that book, go do something. Go outside. You're just laying around. Yeah. Yeah. It was not oh, some I got in trouble. More, me you too. Know, all I would the try time. and like sneak a book to the dinner. It's table a beautiful day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you weren't supposed to read certain places and it was, it was rude to be reading, reading places, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And now it's like the highest form of morality to be seen reading a book. And it just was not well, like that. Well, I think that's well-timed because reading long things is kind of at risk. <laughs> is mean, that, oh, at risk. Well, yeah. right. I mean, with the attention span. Yeah. I see true. it changing yeah. even in myself. Which I mean, is really oh, yeah. I, I curse my iPad every day. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I don't have a book. I'll just read a few articles on my – I'll just look at Twitter. That's reading, right? There's well, words. I mean, and it just, and and it's interesting because there is a debate with kids is like, you know, oh God, like there's so much screen time. They're spending so much they time, read a lot. but they are, you know, I mean, if you're looking at just words, right. they're reading a lot more, but, but the kind of reading are they, that they're Are they doing reading for information? Is, you know, is, well, there's that, that is true. And at the same time, you know, um, kids are the ones who are bringing back the print book. Like they are the younger people, I should say. They're really demanding. Well, that's what, according editions. to... A couple of guests. That's what's selling. They're still buying books. They're well, the ones. Books have never, never went away. Yeah. I mean, you know, when there yeah. was the whole doom and gloom about you know, right, that's what there taking was. over print. Right. Um, you know, I mean, one of the, one of the reasons. I mean, one of the reasons that um, Chronicle, our friends, right. your publisher and mine, yes. and just down the street, 
um, you know, True. weathered that so well was right. because they had a large children's book publishing division, and they also had illustrated books and, right. you know, and cookbooks, and, which are big, right? And so there are certain things that will, you know, that that just do not translate to print. And being a parent, you're not going to put an iPad, you know, you're like you're not going to put iBooks or a, a Kindle you would hope not. in front of your kid right before you're trying to get them to bed. Go to sleep. Yeah, not yet. But you might. It might end up. Not you. Not anyone in this room. Yeah. Of course, I'm out of the woods because they didn't have those when my kid was that I know age. me either. Thank goodness. We read Click Clack Moo. Cow's the type. <laughs> oh, my God. Click Clack Moo. I love that I love Click Clack Moo. <laughs> me too. It's really good. They used to just crack And it's up. about writing. I never thought about that. It is. Um, but are we talking about a love of books or a love of reading? And are the two intertwined or can they be separate? So I I think that they are intertwined, but they also can be separate. So I personally, I mean, you know, I I am an unapologetic book fetishist. I, mean, mm-hmm. I love the book, the object. Um, you know, I also love reading, and I will read in in many forms. I mean, when I'm traveling, you know, if I'm on an airplane, I I will pack a Kindle. Me too. But at home, you know, and and, and in general, I mean, ninety percent of the books that I read. Are, are books in print, mostly because I have to look at a screen all day for mm, work. Right. And, you know, and I don't want to look at a screen when I'm not looking. See, and I've always been the opposite. And I always felt like it, what, what's the opposite I was always like, I didn't care about the book. I just want to read the stuff. And they're oh, like, yeah. oh, don't you have a million books? No, I give them away. I don't care. I just oh, want to God, read no, the stuff. I, I hold on. Beautiful. No, I don't care. Beat up book. It always felt kind of punk rock to me. You know, like, yeah, I don't <laughs> care. I just want to read, man. I don't care what it looks like. But don't you find that um, reading on the Kindle? It well, that's different. The yeah, that's a different. I'm just talking oh. about the like a beautiful. Oh, it's a beautiful book. No, oh, I don't see. care. Just yeah. you know, words I, with some cover slapped out, on it. I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. I mean, I loved the idea, and I'd get so mad when people would say to me, um, "Oh, I just love books." I'd be like, "Oh, I hate books," but. That's why I have a Kindle. But no. Um, But I found over time that I don't like to read fiction on the Kindle. I don't know why. Mm. It's so strange. But I don't enjoy it the same way. Yes. I know. Yeah, tell me. Uh, So one of the things about reading on the Kindle that I've found is that because there's because you lose that sort of tactile sense of holding the book in your hand, seeing the cover every Mm -hmm. time you close it, and then also being able to sort of like – map yourself through yes. the the kind where of like you are. the atlas of right. the book you know how far you you've gone where you are how how much further you have to go like the little progress bar with I the have no idea what that means yeah does yeah. not you, do the same don't you thing. have the thing that tells you how many pages are left yeah but no it's totally different from having psychologically the, the, the it's very different and yeah. tactile experience of like of knowing where you are in place and time i mean how many times when you like if you think about a particular passage of a book that perhaps you've read several times or that was really meaningful, like in my, like I can, I can sort of, I can close my eyes and remember, like, was it on, you know, the, the, the left page or the oh, I can page too, yeah. and, and oh. how far along it was and, you know, go back and, and find that quote. I have found that if I read on the Kindle too much, I can always tell when I've been reading too much on my it's iPad because then when I read a regular book, I'll find myself looking at the top of the page to see what time it is. <laughs> I thought you were going to like swipe. swipe. I have tried to swipe a regular book and it's really embarrassing. But it's true. And, and I've actually gotten to the point where I think of electronic book. It's a, it's a different thing. Like I won't like, oh, I want to read a good novel. Not electronic book. Oh, I want to read the biography, the replacements, electronic book. Yes, I'm the same way. 
Yes. Also, I like to read books I don't want other people to know I'm reading. Oh, me well, too. Well, that's a good like, um, you know, the like the biography of some triathlete or something totally not that's high-minded. T- that's horrible that we all feel that way. I don't know. I do. Yeah. No, or, you know, if I wanted to read porn the, on the plane, like, then I would just <laughs> read it on my Kindle. You know, the big thing is when I read something on a Kindle, like, I immediately forget about it. Like, I forget mm. that I have read That's, it. And a and lot of it is, like, not being there. able to have those visual yeah. cues. And, yeah, I mean, like, I'll look at, like, you know, go back to the library of the Kindle, and there'll be, like, all of these books that, you know, it says that I've completed them, and I will have no recollection. I have the exact same thing. That is so <laughs> freaky. I have the same thing. Now, are you, are you, like, a visual learner? Do you consider, or oh. do you have a visual memory? Yes, well. Getting a little Carol Gilligan here. <laughs> Uh, I mean, do I, I, so I'm an art historian as well as a writer. Yeah. So, um, so much in common in the grotto pod today. So, but am I a visual learner? That's another question because I am and I'm not, I mean, but I see things visually. For example, I am terrible with numbers, like horrible, always mix up people's phone numbers, can't add anything. But if I, I can tell you the date of like almost every major painting still from Mm -hmm. grad school from, and that's because it's attached to a picture Mm -hmm. in my mind. Mm -hmm. So I see the whole thing. And I have that same thing with pages too, where I can think like I'm researching something and I think, Oh, I need that quote. And I'll think, Oh, it's midway down the page on the left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that when you say that, it makes me realize too, why I don't like to do research with my Kindle, even though I'm often taking notes, it, I retain it in a completely different way. If I have the book, it just, it activates a different part of the is, it, is anyone, has there been any official research into this sort know. of thing? Cause know. it sounds pretty ripe for that. It's at some point people are going to point out like, yeah, we're learning things in a different way off uh, of this electronic stuff. Let me ask you this. You, yes. not, not you. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, can someone bring a Kindle to a silent book club? Oh, good question. Absolutely. So we have a little, you know, we, we Kindle corner with two K's. We do. <laughs> no, but we do have a tagline. We say all readers are welcome, even e-readers. I, yeah, I like that. And you know, I mean, like we have had people come who are listening to audiobooks, so they'll come with headphones oh. in. What do you have to say about that, Rosen? I draw the line there. I thought so. so. Audiobooks are not reading to you. This is a big debate. No, they're not. And I'm a huge podcast guy. And, 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 and I, when you were talking about how uh, reading an actual book can put you in a time and place, that's what podcasts are. I go like, oh, I was listening to that podcast when I was in Switzerland walking around. You know, I'll remember that. But um, I don't know, audiobooks, maybe I need I to see them. the words because I don't – I, I got to be honest. I haven't even tried because I haven't been interested. Like, eh. Well, once you try, Can't I, turn I, back. I guarantee you'll get addicted. I think so. I think it depends on, um, you know, are you, can, can you multitask? Like, can you do something? That's well sort of my downfall. Do you can so, or you can't? I can. Yeah. I the, do too often. I mean, one of the great things about audiobooks that I found is, I mean, like audiobooks and knitting. Audiobooks while driving. Audiobooks Ooh, actually same thing. Driving, yeah. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. That's really, you know. I, I mean, I started this year for the first time in my life. A lot of people do this, keeping a list of what I've read this year. Mm-hmm. I just mm. thought, well, that I, you know, I'm interested, especially mm-hmm. since we started the podcast. Yeah. We've been reading a lot. And I was amazed to see that I listen to almost as many books as I read, which I would have never had any idea. That I listen to a lot of books. Me. But I also was doing a lot of training this summer. Oh. And so like a long bike ride, I would listen mm-hmm. to it. But that's what I'm, I mean, I'm consuming two hours of podcasts a day at the gym. So what if you did, what if you what did, if I did a book? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's, I, I should I give it a shot. You should give it a shot. It's especially like, on your I, plane trip coming up. 
Oh, I could download that Paul Shirley book and listen to it. I don't know if I could sit still. Well, no, because I do when I'm driving. So I I was never an audiobook fan. And then, um, you know, and then driving around with my son, taking him to school. And he went to preschool, like, way across town. And so we were just in the car a lot more than, than we'd ever been, really. And that was when we started listening. I started listening to audiobooks, but children's books. And some of them are fantastic. Oh, my gosh. They get so these good. narrators. Yeah. yeah, that would be good. Oh, my God. Jeremy Irons reading James and the Giant Peach. Yes, I've, I've heard it. It's, it's so good. Well, to, and to me, that it's makes so total good. sense because normally you're the one doing the audiobook for your kid. Mm-hmm. Right. In this case, it's just and Jeremy there's, Irons. There's so much great kids' literature. I mean, we always listened to books in the car when my kids were little to the point where like they were little Nazis about it. Like I couldn't even get in the car. Like, turn on the car, turn on the car. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that is how I started listening to adult books on tape was I started with the kids. With books. the kids? Yeah. 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 I just remembered a quirk about your son's education. That is, Guinevere, okay. as Caitlin Solomini is to China, Yes. Guinevere is to Italy. Oh, really? Her son goes to Italian immersion school. Oh, lucky. He does. It's, so do you listen to books in Italian? We have. We listened to The Little Prince in Italian, which was... Uh, How's that? What's that title in Italian? Um, Il Piccolo Principe. Nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. So good. Yeah. And, I mean, and it's, I mean, it's such a lyrical book anyway, right. and then putting it in the Italian, and they had... You know, Who was the author voices. that just wrote the book about writing in Italian? American Palahiri. Oh, yeah. Have you read it yet? Yes. Is I it great? I loved it. I loved it. So she, I want to read it. She wrote the book in Italian and then... That's crazy to me. And then and then did not translate it herself. She had her translator translate it. Into, into English. Into English. Yeah. And and the, the Italian and the English are on facing pages. Oh. So as you're reading through it, if you know a little bit of Italian, you know, you can... You can Go back. That's my favorite it's like, way. Uh, it's like going to temple. They do that. <laughs> the I'm, I'm trying to recover and get better at Norwegian. And right now I'm reading a Norwegian book with it in English and in Norwegian. So I read the Norwegian until I have a problem and then I just like glance over yeah. and see. So same idea, but more handy because on either side of the page. Well, let's get back to the root of this. And you cover this in the intro uh, to, to I'd Rather Be Reading. Tell me about the, the birth of your love of reading. Wow. Tell us, not just me. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, you know, I mean, for as long as I can remember, I, you know, I I have been a book lover. And, um, you know, there's the the anecdote that I share in in the book is, is how, um, you know, my, my sort of my first introduction to reading was announcing that I was not at all interested in reading. I love that. And this was in kindergarten. And, um, and, and my grandmother was actually the director of, of, the school that I went to and, you know, and I don't know if I just, you know, sort of was up on my high horse cause I you know, had like a connection to the people on top or what, but I basically was just like, Nope, not, not going to read. And my kindergarten teacher, and at that time we were, we were in these little sort of like clusters in the classroom, you know, how you do group learning when you're small. And I convinced all of the other kids at my table that none of us should learn to read. Awesome. And so terrible. I was this just terrible. Reader, like, bad influence and 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 my kindergarten teacher was like all right you know that's 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 cool you can't do anything else like when it's time for the rest of the class to sit down and do whatever it was you know this was this was back in the the dark ages dark ages so you know it was probably more like sitting down with workbooks and, and things but um you know uh but she just was like you know 
at your own pace and, and let me kind of get away with this. And then we just got really bored because we had yeah. to sit at the table doing nothing while the other kids kind of like all of a sudden were picking up these, these, these superpowers. What a, what a brave teacher. I know. Well, I mean, there's going to be four kids in my class with nothing to do. And my boss is, and one of them is the granddaughter of my boss. No. Really? Well, yeah. Cause the, that's you know, crazy. My grandma was the oh, director. Yeah, that's and oh, right. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, I thought yeah. we were talking about now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So, um, and you know, and I don't think that it lasted very long. I think that we got over it pretty quickly, but, um, but you know, a similar thing, you know, but that, but that story is, it became family lore and it was you know, told over and over again, you know, as, as I grew up but and that, became that an incredible bookworm. bit of withholding. I wonder if that made you love books more or love reading more or just that moment of the, of awareness of that moment. Right. I don't also know. the agency in yes, that, totally. of, you know, I chose for myself. I decided I like when I wanted, nobody forced me I to like do that. it. This was, this was all me. So, and that is very sort of in tune with my personality. So now I'm curious about for both of you and for me and for anyone who's listening, that idea of the first things that you're interested in as a reader, you know, you don't, you don't start by self-selecting. Someone gives you stuff to read. And how that sort of shapes the kind of reader you become and what you're interested in. You know, one of That's the things that I found most interesting when, you know, so, so in all of these studies of, of literacy and, um, you know, and, and, and children and, and how they learn to read and write and, and academic achievement over time, the biggest indicator is not, you know, where they go to school or what their income level is or you know, any of those other things. It's the number of books that a parent has, that their family has in the house. It's the fact of just being surrounded by books. Oh, oh great. My gosh. So, so all the ones I gave away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder my kid doesn't my read. My house is a, a danger zone. Like there are so many books. My kids had so many books. It was too many, I think, when they were little. It was crazy. And, and what about... That's so interesting. I've never heard that yeah, before. Yeah, it's 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 really like, you know, so look, at, look at how many bookshelves they had in their wow. house. And, well, uh, and you mentioned this wow. a little bit in your intro, and I, I find it one of the most fascinating questions about kids and reading is the idea of should kids read good books or should kids read any books? I'm in the any books. I'm in the any books, but I, books. I taught at a Catholic high school for a while, and there was a real adherence to the canon, and mm-hmm. I was like, ah, they're bored. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, well, I'm, that's something different. Well, because it can be both. I, I mean, because I remember parents would get so angry at me because I didn't like to assign summer reading. And I had a, a father say to me, do you just hate reading? And I said, no, I love reading. That's why I don't do want to just hate reading. Like, of course I do. That's why I became an educator. And uh, <laughs> it's, a drag. it's the worst. I'm flipping it off with both ears. Um, but, you know, this idea that somehow assigning reading over the summer is going to make them love books. It's yeah. like totally bizarre. But I, I do think also that we, you can, there's two extremes. I think all reading is fantastic and people should read whatever the hell they want, including kids. And that there's a time to, because I mean, I taught Dante, I taught Shakespeare. I taught things that my kids weren't bored. My students, I think they really loved it. There's a way to teach it. It's a reason that things are in the canon. And yeah, that's just what I think. Yeah, and I thought it's hard to come to on your own if you don't have that. I thought it was a big, I felt a responsibility to find them something they would like, like individually. Yeah. Like think of the kid. Oh, that that that, that would get them excited. That too. Both those things. Yeah. I think think both of them, because I thought Beowulf was a hard sell. Even though it's like, oh, they're drunk. It's great. Look at them. There's monsters. But there's like, oh, I can't get through the language. Do you want to hear me say anything in 
in the uh, Babel. I want to hear what Guinevere has to say. Okay, rats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. We're okay. <laughs> um, no, you know, I think the number of times that you hear, you know, either writers or you know, or, or people who for whom books have had like a huge influence in their life talk about that that librarian or that teacher mm-hmm. that just put the right book in their hands totally. at the right time. I mean, that really makes all the difference. And, you know, and, and I don't I don't remember having a specific book as a child. For me, it was really the sort of like the the, the just the volume of them that I consumed. Mm-hmm. Were there a lot of books in your house growing up? There were a lot of books in my house. You know, both of my parents were were academics. You know, my, mm-hmm. my grandmother was an educator. Um, you know, so there were books everywhere. And, you know, and once I started reading, I just wouldn't stop because, you know, because I was also an introverted child mm-hmm. and um still still i am that's why you run the happy hour for introverts that's, that's why i run the happy hour that's what, exactly um so you know so i was always kind of happier with my nose in a book than you know than sort of socializing in, in groups and um and so and it really just became you know and and my parents never you know they 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 i mean i, I also think like in the 80s it wasn't so much of a like I don't think that there were as many options as far as, you know, you have graphic novels. Oh, mm-hmm. true. You, do have, yeah. you did have comic books, but, you know, but it was, there wasn't so much. It was way more limited of feeling. Like, yeah. You know, are they reading the right thing? It was just, I mean, like, I was reading Trash, Babysitter's Club and Sweet Valley High. So many writers like, refer to those two, of around your age, refer to those two series as being incredibly important to them. Roxanne Gay's written a lot about yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that to me is, that's amazing. Well, it was also the same time, you know, in the 80s, and, and those books were really the equivalent of, like, what they were doing in toys, too, where you had, like, you know, you had Mattel and Hasbro with all of the My Little Ponies and the Care Bears and the, you know, the iterations in plastic oh, of yeah. a single theme. So mm-hmm. you have, like, yeah. and they're all collectibles, right? So you could go and you could oh, collect a right. hundred different My Little Ponies or, you know, a hundred different, not hundred, maybe 30, you know, Care Bears or Barbies or I was like that with you. Hardy Boys. I was obsessed with it. The series, yeah. 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 And, you know, and, and, and so, and publishers were doing the same thing and it had, I mean, yeah, Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew, like, you know, series had been around for a long time. Dickens wrote series. I'm not saying that it was like newly created, but targeted series at that tween kind of audience Mm -hmm. with candy colored covers, you know, I mean that, that was, but you're still, you're still reading stories. Yeah. Yeah, you're were still learning good? about stories. I either. loved them when I was like nine yeah. and ten. Yeah, um, then they were good. Then you know. Yeah. I mean, Did your? Uh, I know. Chairs are squeaky. They're very squeaky. Your son might be right the right age. I don't know why. I just this is series. Did your son read the Captain Underpants books? Not really. He was Too not gross. that into them. Yeah. No, my daughter was more into them. We uh, we actually went and got one signed. By Dave oh. Pilkey, yeah. My kid was way into Captain Underpants. My kids were really into the Brian Jakes books. Do you know those? Oh, uh, the Redwall. In Redwall series. series. Yeah. We haven't gotten there yet. Oh, so, uh, so I have good. a funny Captain Underpants story that's going to tell you. They're making a movie, to, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. they are. So I... <laughs> is I, it one already? This has been one where I'm like, you know, he will find them on his own. He doesn't need me to, yeah. to bring this crap home. But uh, <laughs> guess who Not comes home from the library, the Italian library at the Italian school. The Italian version? With Capitan Muntanda. <laughs> yes! So he just picked up Captain Underpants in Italian to read. And I was like, you That's know awesome. what? If you're going to read. That's awesome. you know, I mean, but it does show you that, like, you know, poop humor, like, for seven-year-old boys is, is universal. Yeah. Timeless. Yep. Uh, but also the finding on your own. So both my kids went to Waldorf school where they're not – they don't learn to read until they're in second or third grade, um, which freaks 
everybody out and it works out fine, I assure you. But at any rate, um, my son learned to read because he saw manga and really wanted oh, to know yeah. what was going on. And so I bought him a couple and he taught himself to read and he was, and he was obsessed with manga, which are a little, they're very series like and, yeah. Yeah. um, for years. And it, 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 I think it had a lot of influence on him becoming an artist as well. You know books what? Are cool. The first books I read as a kid, I can picture going to that library and getting them out of the library over and over again. They were sports biographies. Right. Like the, like the best, seed of best where you pictures. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I think that made me kind of a reader, for, a big reader for information. Like I still love a nonfiction and mm-hmm. biographies and mm-hmm. junk like that. It's funny how that early stuff, stuff like I'm seeing it as a But when you said that, about, well, what was the stuff. first book that you remember really loving? I remember the first book where I got so engrossed in it that it was a real book that my whole class got up and left. And I did, I, I like looked up the book just, and they were all gone. And it was a book about this space station that America was going to build. Was it nonfiction? Mm-hmm. It was nonfiction, but it was, I was in first grade. Pictures, I mean, I could barely yeah. read, but so I had lots of pictures, but I remember just being sucked into this idea of the space station. And then I was really into science fiction as a young person. Mm-hmm. We, which we we've discussed. Which we've argued about. Um, but so maybe, so was there something like that where a babysitter's club? I don't know. Like, well, so, you know, I mean, so all of the books that I was reading was like, you know, I mean, they were all really focused on interpersonal drama, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, and so, and I still, you know, I mean, my, my kind of genre of choice is, is literary fiction and, you know, that's beloved like, by authors like, everywhere. But, you know, but I love books that are about relationships between, you know, between people and, you know, and not, not love stories, like yeah, not yeah. romance, but, but the sort of like those like complicated human. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite things, and I'd rather be reading was, um, Ann Patchett's 25 favorite books, which I love lists like this. And it's fascinating. It made me feel bad. It did. Why? Because I haven't read that many of them. Oh, I, but, but what I, what I found fascinating is they're not necessarily classics. I mean, some of them are, but a lot of them are just not. Um, but what can you maybe talk about like a great novel you've read recently or your favorite or whatever, oh, yeah. just like listy stuff. So I cannot do my favorite. Like that's yeah, just, yeah, it's yeah. a, it's a question yeah. that is impossible and it changes so much be- depending on, you know, sort of where you are in your own life. Um, you know, so true. I've read, um, you know, I, I, I do sort of keep a handful of like, you know, what I call five-star reads, you know, from like the, the past year or so that I can dish out. And, and, um, and I also, uh, at Christmas time, what I'll do is I'll go back because I do keep a, a log of everything mm. that I read. I'm going to turn it on. Yeah, and then I'll. I need know. to do that. It's very, it's very illuminating. It's pretty, yeah. And then you can look back and yeah, yeah and, and also remember. Because if you but, read a lot, I don't know about you, but if you read a lot of books, you tend to either forget completely. or they tend yeah. to sort of blur together, blur into one big yeah. book. Yeah. Um, so, and then what I'll do is I'll go back and I'll be like, okay, anything that I gave five stars to, like I have to, it has oh, you to be rated really, when you read it. Oh, oh I yeah. like that. Okay. Yeah. And then I'll take those five star books and, you know, and it, it has to be like, I have to really love it. And it has to stand kind of head and shoulders above everything oh, else that I've me. read. Mm. Give me some And names. then I will, you know, and then I'll give those for Christmas to, like, to all of my oh, kind of friends wow. and family. As, like, these were the top books that I read Are you able year. to reveal? So, yeah. No, what are your, what are your five so stars? Excited. So the ones that I have kind of like in mind this year are um, Pachinko mm-hmm. um, by is Hajin. Uh, no. Min... Min Jin Ha? No, Min Jin Lee. Yeah. Min Jin Lee, I think. That's right, yes. Um, uh, that, I mean, just just excellent. And again, sweeping epic. Yes. She's <laughs> oh a Yeah, so that, that one was, was beautiful. The Heart's Invisible Furies. Um, ooh, this is a recent one. John, um, oh, 
Good lord. No, this is the worst. Can we, uh, like, add it in the show notes? Or no, no, show? I'll look oh, it up yeah, right yeah. now. Hearts Invisible Furies is an Irish I, writer. I have not even heard of that. Last name starts with a B. There it is. Hearts Invisible Furies by uh, John Boyne. Oh, Boyne. Boyne. Okay. Boyne. John Boyne, yeah. Um, I haven't even heard of it. I can't believe it. Okay. It's new. It's relatively really, new. Yeah, it's, February. It's, it's new this year. Um, uh, set in Ireland over, you know, sort of from the like, 1940s through the present. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, just so good. Out. So good. Um, and, and he's done a lot of, like, the you know, big Irish novels mm-hmm. about, like, priests and this and that. And this is sort Do of... Do like, glittering on grass and stuff. No. Drunks. <laughs> Drunks, yeah. I'm allowed to say that. But no, but this is this, this, this man who was like born in Ireland um, and, and was gay and sort of struggling with like homosexuality, but in, you know, Catholic Ireland yeah. in the 1950s, which is not okay. And, you know, and, and, and then it takes you like all the way up through 9-11 in New York. And, mm, so wow, again, that is big. Big. Wow. But, um But just excellent, excellent. Um, I think this technically counts as a last year book, but it came out in paper book again this year, and it's so good. I'm just going to say it again, wow. which was Homegoing by oh, yeah. Yaa Jazi. That was amazing. Um, and gosh, there's you know the 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 most recent book that I read that you know is is not one of those like big heavy five star books, but it was just so fun and like kind of like a nice enjoyable um, was. Circling the Sun, which was the fiction, historical fiction by Paula McLean about Beryl Markham, who oh, was like yeah, the first I, I, woman I, I, to fly across the mm. It was vaguely familiar, but that's right, yeah. And it sort of imagines her childhood growing up in, in Kenya. And uh, and so Beryl actually wrote a memoir herself. West of the Night, which exactly. is, is a masterpiece. Master, exactly. Yeah. And so, I mean, think about the balls on Paula I McLean. I was thinking that right when you were talking about so it. So it be Whoa. like, okay, here is this memoir that, I mean, like she's already written her own story and it is like, Oh, oh, I fantastic, see. Fantastic. Fantastic. Like, and, and well read. So I'm like, so she's like, I'm going to take that and like, I'm just going to take another step. Take another stab at wow. it. Wow. Yeah. Um, and it's great, huh? It's great. See, it I would never really even fun. read that for that reason. Yeah. I was, no, I no. was really, cause I didn't love the Paris wife, which was the one that she right. did about Hemingway's, right. you know, what's her name? Uh, I, don't know. I, read it. I read it too. I can't <laughs> see. Um, how often do you get, uh, suggestions at the silent book club? So, um, hundreds of them every day, but that's so, that makes me so happy to hear it. It has become so, so, you know, to, to back up to, 2012 when it was me and Laura in a bar, you know, so since then, it, <laughs> so many good things. it has now become, I mean, we have silent book club chapters in more than 50 cities around the world. That's it's incredible. all run by volunteers. So essentially, you know, we set up a program where, you know, essentially we said, okay, here's a template. Here's how you do it. You know, here's how you find a venue and talk to the managers and promote the event and find readers. And, you know, and, and here's some bookmarks and table signs that you can use to be official and, you know, really just official enabling sign. people. What, to be uh, able to and what type of turnout do you generally get? So it really depends on, on, you know, on the club and the location here in San Francisco. We'll get like 20 to 30 people mm, a month. That's a lot of people. I bet bars love you. Yes, yeah. I know. Really? So it's interesting. Well, you know. <laughs> They're like the, uh, with, and that show, um, The Leftovers. Oh, there's these people that don't speak. Oh, I don't know. Oh, they, they just smoke. Oh. <laughs> and, they have, and they write stuff down, yeah. The si- <laughs> They're called the silent something or other. I don't know. 
Well, you know, so what the problem that we had here um, in San Francisco was that so we we meet at the Palace Hotel down on Market Street because the couches are really comfortable um, and the lighting is good. See, that's and not what I would picture, though. Is the hardest. Yeah, part. I was oh, yeah. just huh. going to say that. Like being a, like a reading in a bar. Read. Yep. Is, it, you know, the lighting is like yep. the hardest, and the noise level as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, but because they're a hotel, they don't want us to take over the you know because they need to have a space for their guests. Yes, to come I get that. Us. I get that. Yeah. And so when we started, like we started getting quite large, and you know, I mean, I think that that one night we had ninety people come out. Oh my god! And you know, and and it was like, I mean, for <laughs> I am not an event planner, and I, I never know. wanted to be an so event planner. Stressful. It's so stressful. It's my least favorite part about this whole sort of. This, this whole beautiful thing that has been created yeah. is the fact that it has put me in the position of having to do that. But, you know, but we don't charge for our events. So we don't, you know, so I don't want to, you know, have to pay to reserve a space course, or yeah. have a minimum mm-hmm. bar tab or any of that. So, you know, so. Because so, then you are an event planner. I, yeah. Um, and so trying to find that, you know, strike that balance between getting enough people to make it really feel like a you know, sort of communal event and you know, sort of like a, 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 some sort of a movement happening. What, what percentage are regulars? Um, so it is, I'd say about, you know, not quite half and half. We yeah. generally get, you know, maybe like 40% regulars and then like 60% new people. And some people come once and never show up again. And then there are some people who have come out every month like, since we started. Have you gone to ones in other cities? I have. So, um, so we, um, when we first started, it was just San Francisco and New York. Um, because, and, and the, the way that it started spreading was because one of, um, you know, one of our friends who kind of started up with us here moved to Brooklyn mm. and she brought the idea with her and that planted the seed for like, oh, maybe we can make this a thing that, you know, that, that can be anywhere. Um, but then, you know, from San Francisco, just within the Bay area, um, you know, we moved to Oakland, right. we have a chapter up at Book Passage in Corte Madera. Um, you know, oh, that's nice to have it in a bookstore, actually. Yeah, so that's, that's a good idea. That's where we've, you know, and, and as we've expanded. Because that book passage has like a little cafe. And well, yeah. Are you doing them at that place across from? The Bindery. Yeah, yeah. The Bindery. Have you been there? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because so they have we, a little bar set up. We, exactly. We just had our first one at the Bindery. That's a, this another past week. great place to have. Yeah. It was great. It was fantastic because, you know, it was, it was a new crowd. So we did have a few regulars that showed up, but, um, you know, but it was mostly new faces, which was also great for us. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, you're, you're inside of a bookstore. So, so how hard is it to get all these introverts who come here with their books I was thinking. to then speak to each other afterwards if they're not regulars? So the thing about introverts, at least in, in my experience, is that you know it's not that they can't talk. Right. It's or just looking for know, connection. It's 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 just that you know it can be really difficult and overwhelming, and you know and uncomfortable to do that kind of awkward small talk or to not really know where to get started. But you know the the uh, having a book in your hand is the best conversation starter because you know you just. Say, what you're reading yeah yeah and you know and 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 then you have sort of you know you've got five minutes right there where you talk about what you're reading they talk about what they're reading and then you know and and this is really this is what sealed the deal for me when we were sort of coming up with this is that you know i always get to that point in the conversation where i'm like i've just run out of things (laughs) even you know and then i'm like oh god you know what do i do next then you start sweating dessert isn't even here yet and then you're like oh wait i can just like be like okay i'm gonna read now and tap out, and it's totally acceptable, you know. And, and that is a genius. You that should do like is. a whole silent reading dating thing. 
I have thought about and I'm that's about perfect. It. Speed dating, just but with books. But yeah. sl- slower than speed dating. Then. <laughs> no. uh, are you at each each month? You're there. So I am there almost every month, at least in in, in San Francisco. And there's someone who's sort of mod- mediate moderating, mediating, moderating, leading. Yeah, yeah. who's yeah. there? So we, you know, so we call them chapters and hosts. So each city that has a chapter has a host that you know that basically you know sets the date and time coordinates with the the bar, the restaurant, the cafe. Um, you know, we, we have started working more with bookstores and, and also with libraries. A lot of libraries mm. have picked up on this I idea. That's such a good idea. And just added but it But you have to their... smuggle in the wine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? You can drink everywhere in California. <laughs> that's true. So I have, like, I was thinking most cafes you can drink beer and wine in. Yeah. And they have good lighting, generally. Yeah. Well, and some people, so we also, you know, early on, we had a few people who were like, um... So a lot of my friends are in recovery. Like, right. right. Okay, There's that. Yeah. that. Yeah. So how does it, like, do we have to drink? And it's like, no, you don't have to drink. <laughs> you can do it at, you know, I mean, in, in Jacksonville, Florida, there's a group that meets at a pizzeria every, Ooh, every pizza. month. See, that would be dangerous like, for me. Pizza and books. And I what mean, they drink be better? There pizza too. and books. Um, but there was, pizza, um, beer and books. Mm, yeah. Pizza, beer and books. Well, yeah. For yeah. Some people. Um, Seattle had a meetup once in, in Coffee. A, a, a soda fountain, like an old tiny. Oh, like, that sounds good. You know, I love and, that. So they were like drinking ice cream floats and reading mm, books. And so, I mean, it can really. Oh, gosh, I'm getting hungry. It's a fact. During the summer, people do it outdoors in parks. Um, so how do people find out about this? So we have a website that is silentbook.club. Oh, and dot uh, club. Dot club. Yeah, didn't even know about this. It's a new thing. Dot club. And I went there recently, and you got a lot of stuff in there. You got a blog on there. You got newsletters on there. You got t-shirts. merchandise that people can buy if they get tired of their Grotto Pod t-shirts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Or we, just want to change. A, it's yeah. A, it's a thing. That is, that is a very cool. Thing. Yeah. So many, we've had so many people in here who have really started something national and international. Yes. This is at least the third. And the thing that's always interesting to me, as I said in the interview and sort of sprinkled throughout, is this idea of all the different ways you can not only be part of a literary community, mm-hmm. but can contribute to it. Yes. So true, yeah. And, you know, one of the things, like one of the the, the core sort of philosophy of Silent Book Club is that it does exist in person and offline. You know, that you actually meet up with people and you read your physical book, whether it's physically on your iPad or, you know, whether it's an actual book in print. Um, But, you know, but we don't have chapters in every city. Some people live in very small rural communities. Mm-hmm. You know, some people can't get out of their house. So there also is this online component. And so we have a Facebook group that is, you know, I mean, I think it's something like 13,000 people strong now. And it has become this incredible resource of, you know, people who are just there talking about books. And it's all recommendations. It's that is you know, so amazing. I love hearing that. And, <laughs> and it's it, also, you know, for people who don't have like an independent bookstore, right, in their, which is a in lot of people. Town, right. So you can't go in and like ask somebody, right. hey, like, what do you read? I just read this. You know, I might what like would this. you recommend yeah. next? And, and this that is, all now happens in the group online. That and this cool. is all organic, just born out of, I got to get out of the house. I'm going out with my friend to have a drink. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it also coincides, you know, so, so I, I say, yeah, like, like that, but, you know, I come from, um, you know, both me and my co-founder, Laura, um, you know, we come from a community management background. So online communities mm. 
from when, you know, when social media was just getting started in, you know, the late 2000s. Um, in fact, you know, I, I used to work at Chronicle Books. And you helped create their social media presence. I created, yeah, exactly. Which so, is really good. I'm very impressed by it all the time. It's great. It has yeah. really, you know, and but but when it first started, you know, and even for, you know, the first few years, it was really the Wild West. I mean, and, you know, nobody, nobody really knew what it was. You know, we had to sort of I, I had to explain to people. And screaming, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, and and then it you know it exploded. But those early days were really community driven. It was about like you know, it was about giving away for us as the publisher to sort of get closer to the consumer and hear about like you know and 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 also give them a way to sort of like see inside the process. So we did a lot of sort of like you know showing them like the how books were made and and you know yeah. and it was really and a lot of the early online communities were like that it really felt like you know it, it was much more of a sense of community and then once all of the advertisers sort of like you know like once it, once it got to scale and facebook and and all of these companies realized that you know right. that they could make money off of this and then marketing departments on the business side realized that it was you know this was the new advertising channel it it sort of just got swamped by by marketing and it really turned into another sales channel. And so, um, you know, so when I left Chronicle, um, so I, I did it for about five years. And, you know, and when I started in 2009, we had Facebook and Twitter. Mm-hmm. I know now it's just... By the time I left in 2014, I guess it was, you know, I mean, Facebook and Twitter and... Tumblr and Instagram and Pinterest yeah. and YouTube and um, yeah, I mean there were it, it just went on it and on and on, on. Yeah. and um, and it was exhausting you know to, to try and keep up yeah with, it's hard to keep pace with but it also you know it also got to the point where it was no longer that sort of like that early sense of, of community and so so a lot of people who were also in the field um, you know at, of you know sort of those early community managers all of us sort of got out of the game mm-hmm. around that. I mean, a lot of it was burnout. And also now I'm just like, I'm just too old. To, I, know, I was just thinking that. Like, how do you time. Come, I was in the car with my daughter yesterday, so much Snapchatting. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I don't even really want to know what it is. <laughs> I mean, I do kind of. <laughs> it is something. I watched a friend of mine's daughter who's a sophomore in college now. And we were just, you know, we're all there having dinner. And I just watched her 15 times pick up her phone, make a face, do this, and then something. Like, just, it's kind of fascinating, but it's it is overwhelming. Easy and to feel old. I feel it, it's really exciting to me to hear about this community that exists both offline and online. I do think the online component can be a really healthy thing for people who, just like you said, don't have community otherwise. Yeah. Like it's easy to say for us to yeah. say, oh, you just need to go get right. together. Like, we go to the grotto not, and then we go right. do whatever. It's, it's, yeah. It's not available to a lot of people. Yeah. Or they just live in communities where it's hard to find the other readers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but um, this was, this was, sorry, I just, you okay. know, it, but for us, I mean, this really was a way to kind of get back to those, to those roots mm-hmm. and, and to really like, you know, I mean, the, 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 the community of people who love books on the internet is so strong. I know. I mean, it's, it's I mean, it's heartening. It is. And, you know, and, and to be able to also give people an outlet to, you know, I mean, we have a little sign that says like, you know, put down your phone and pick up a book um, well, at our meetings. And, but one nice thing about the communities of, of readers on the internet is there's something for everyone. You yeah, know, yeah. if you're a fan of the just most jacked up sci-fi in the world, there will be 10,000 other people. It's quite something isn't it, it is quite something and unfortunately we are out of time oh that's good because we might die if we it's getting long. pretty hot yeah well we know how to get uh to silent book club online mm-hmm. how do we get to you online and where can they get the book 
So you can get the book um, online from Chronicle Books um, or wherever books are sold. Wherever books Walk are sold. into your local bookstore and ask them. If they don't have it, they can order it for you in two days or less. Yeah. Um, and you can find me online, anything that's tied to Silent Book Club, Um Trips right off the tongue. Doesn't it? I love it. Guinevere of the Ocean. That's it for us. No, it's not. Because we forgot to mention the producers. Because we want to thank them. We want to thank Lee Kravitz, Beth Weingartner, and Lori Ann Doyle. And we also want to thank Sugartown for the great tunes. And if you want to text us as oh, an yeah. entity. Text. text. Why Nobody do I keep saying me. text? Don't text Don't me. text me. If you want to see us on uh, the Twitter. The Twitter. Oh, yeah. At the Grotopod. At the Grotopod. Yeah. And our, and our website is? I don't know. Grotopod.com. Oh, yeah. There you Pretty go. simple. Since I've obviously run out of words, why don't you finish by giving us some more? Okay, well, I actually think that Guinevere, because I noticed her, what do you call this? Book embossing. Embossing? Thing in your, I like that. An embosser. An embosser Mm -hmm. that says it's part of your library. I love it. Guinevere says, read, write, repeat, which is really good. But very close to what we say. And we say, read, write, and just keep working. Mm -hmm.